No, Max. So I'm gonna lead. This is a this is a fur this is new territory for me. So, but it'll be fun. Uh, I'm, I'm sure right. we have ultimate trust that you can pull it off. Yep. <laughs> well, well, I, didn't, I didn't hear any sarcasm there at all. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll just laugh at you. It'll be fine. <laughs> Welcome back everyone to a very special Sunday roast where we don't have Max. No one knows where Max is. Please, if you know where he is, if you've seen him anywhere, please let us know. We are, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, we do have a lamp and we do have two wonderful guests. Zoe, can you please introduce yourself to everyone? Hi, Alex. I'm becoming a bit of a regular. I think it's wow. like third time I've been on um, Sunday roast. We tend roast, to go but... to you when everything's gone a little bit haywire or well, well sometimes. Yeah. In, in terms of what's going on with immigration. I Well, exactly. The thing is, I work on the issue that everybody constantly wants to talk about in the news, um, especially the government. So I, I get a lot of airtime. So yeah, I, I am a researcher and a campaigner on migration issues and specifically migrants' rights. And Regan, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Regan Ali. I am a YouTuber that covers uh, news and various topics, mainly UK, but sometimes I've brought it out into the... To the world as well and i've been doing this since march this year and um and uh that's pretty much it really i've been doing it for quite a while now and i'm still learning still learning uh still learning uh, i consider the channel more of a learning together because i'm still learning about news and politics but hopefully being another voice out there that can help make a difference to people's lives i think that's what we're all trying to do aren't we we're all trying to make our little difference here and there with a bit of a voice although some of us on the bbc seem to be able to absolutely trounce <laughs> Any opposition that come up. Mm -hmm. I think you took on Gullis, didn't you, as well, in the committee, Zoe? I had I had my moment against Gullis in the committee. I also I had another debate with him on Talk TV at one point. He's just the thing is like in the committee it was great because this was the bill committee on not the most recent anti-migration piece of legislation that the government passed, but the last anti-migration piece of legislation they passed. Um, and this was the committee of MPs that scrutinizes the bill. Um, and the great thing about that space is they have to let you talk. Like you mm. are there to give evidence. It's not a sort of media debate. So I had to be given the space to respond with the factual evidence to the question he asked me. And that's why that video of, of me giving that response, everybody's like, this is amazing. It's like, yeah, because we never get the opportunity to give that kind of a factual based, like, um, answer to the questions about immigration when we're talking about it in the news. Which is, if these people in Calais are legitimate refugees, why are they not claiming asylum in France, Italy, Spain or Greece? Why do they need to come to the United Kingdom? Um, as I'm sure you'll be aware, because I think the previous witness did say this, the vast majority of people who seek asylum worldwide, firstly, 86% of refugees and displaced people worldwide, remain in the country neighboring the one they have fled. So 86% of people remain in developing countries. Um, France received three times as many asylum applications as we did last year. Most people stop as soon as they feel safe. But the people who are making their way to the England and who specifically wish to come to the UK do so because they have ties to this country because they either have served with our military as in the case of people from Afghanistan or have family members as with the Syrian client that I mentioned um, that JCWI is representing, or speak the language because of our colonial history and have other um, ties of kinship um, and history here. So there are people who have legitimate ties to the UK. And 
there is no good reason why they should particularly have their claims assessed in France if they do not wish to. It doesn't really work for us to say to the French that given that we're geographically located slightly to the west of you, none of these refugees are our responsibility and they're all on you because France can say the same thing and then Italy can say the same thing and then the entire international refugee protection system will crumble. Part of the reason why we made this a long format, I mean, we, we were considering doing an even longer format because there's some topics that you can't go over in 15 minutes, in half an hour, even an hour. But, you know, you got to work within what we've got. Um, let's talk about Rwanda then. Let's just, let's just go straight into it. Like, Supreme Court decision, it's unanimous. It's a check on power. Arguably, you could say the committees are a bit of a check on power because, as you said, you could actually question and they have to answer and they can't avoid topics as well as they could do if they were in in parliament i mean parliament's actually quite useless for that because you can just say whatever you want but within committee everyone seems to take it a lot more seriously tell us Zoe, yeah. what, what happened with the with the call from the supreme court so this was uh, amazing it feels so long ago now it was such good news it was an amazing week we had zoella braverman out on her ass sorry out on her butt <laughs> And um, and uh, and then the Supreme Court ruling. So basically, uh, yeah, this is the government's heinous scheme to um, send everybody who comes to the UK seeking asylum, regardless who they are, regardless where they come from, just send them off to Rwanda for life. And that's it. Wash our hands of them. Um, what the uh, Supreme Court found was that they can't do that legally because uh, Rwanda is quite clearly not a safe place for refugees. Um, and they sort of in this incredibly sort of polite deadpan way that judges do read out all the ways in which the government should quite obviously have been aware of that. So, for example, Rwanda has a zero percent protection rate for refugees from Syria and Yemen and Afghanistan. Um, and Rwanda. Is, just just what does that exactly mean for anyone who's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that means zero that protection you, rate mean? if you come from Afghanistan and you've escaped from the Taliban and you go to Rwanda and you say, I'm a refugee, please protect me. Um, there is a 0% rate of them saying, ah, yes, you are clearly a genuine refugee. Let us offer you protection. They have a 100% rate of saying, hmm, you don't seem like you really need protection, go back. Um, so that's obviously not a system that genuinely protects people because quite incredibly obvious, um, Afghans are very, very often genuinely uh, refugees under the terms of the uh, 1951 convention and therefore must not be sent back to danger in Afghanistan so that's one example there's also like you know the fact that the, the UK government has had to warn Rwandans here in the UK that they are at risk because the Rwandan government is trying to kill them on the streets so um, yeah the Rwandan government is obviously not a trustworthy partner not a partner that can be uh, relied upon to respect human rights because they're into extrajudicial killings which is kind of like a no-no in terms of human rights so basically it was all this this vast reams of evidence that uh, Rwanda was very clearly not a safe place to be sending refugees um, and uh that's what we've seen the government meltdown over ever since. Um, and unfortunately, the response is to say, you know, th there's a lot of ways they could have responded to this. They could have, for example, said, OK, not Rwanda. Rwanda's not safe. 
we'll try to set up a deal with somewhere else and send mm. references somewhere else. Now, I would still have opposed that because I believe that the UK should take responsibility um, for our fair share of protection of refugees. But they could have done that if they had found a genuinely safe country, then the court arguably wouldn't have had anything to say about it. But instead, they've decided to say, no, 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 no. We'll just pass a law that says that actually Rwanda is safe. And uh, then, you know, we win, um, which... It doesn't work. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't work in sort of the realm of objective reality, but it also doesn't work legally because um, the protections against the reason why there's such a strong protection against somebody from Afghanistan, for example, if the the reason why they mustn't be sent to Rwanda if Rwanda won't protect them, is that there is an absolute rule under. Um, international law and across lots of different parts of international law, but also under what's called customary international law. So basically taken as read, as given. You don't need to be referring to any convention or any treaty. It's mm. just given. You must not send somebody whose life is at risk to that danger. Like so, LGBTQ+, plus, for example, having reports come out of Rwanda from both the police and from locals and from refugees they're not exactly welcome. Exactly. That would be a red, wouldn't it? That would be a no. So this is this is the issue where you have um, a basically we we can say Rwanda's safe after all, but if Rwanda in in actuality is not safe, and if we were to send someone from Afghanistan there, and Rwanda says no, we don't think you're a refugee, we're going to send you back to Afghanistan, then that person, we would be responsible ultimately for that person being sent back to danger in Afghanistan, and that is like your big no-no in international law. You cannot send somebody back to face that kind of danger. Thank God. Mm. Um, and so the government can't just say black is white and they can't even legislate to say black is white. Uh, black is not white. And um, so they're going to be trapped and they're in a situation where they, they either have to break that really big fundamental rule about sending people to danger or they have to find an alternative plan. It'd be interesting to see what they can come up with. Regan, what, what were your thoughts on last week's announcement from the Supreme Court, especially as it was unanimous as well. That's quite interesting. I think it was five judges. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It was, Um. I mean, I don't think we should be, I mean, did we really honestly think that they were, that, that it was going to be any other outcome given it? I mean, I think just there has been, I know there's been in the past talk about them looking at other, other nations and potentials, but just, I just find it just so inhumane this whole scheme um and, and it's it's really disheartening i mean we just don't they just don't see the humanity whatsoever in these and they just see them nothing more as numbers and that's what really really generally upsets me and if if i mean even if rwanda was a a safe a safe country for them it still doesn't it's still not it's still not the right and indecent thing to do um every life is precious and we need to look after every life any anybody for that for that matter and i and i'm glad that the courts yes uh looked at looked at everything and seen and seen that this is not right in any way shape or form i think it's absolutely disgusting that the british government are trying to trying to make it trying to look like oh we're, we're, we're they're trying to paint it as if that they haven't lost and they're just looking at a, an alternative way mm -hmm. to to change uh, to change the law or twist it or bend it to basically say say no 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 we haven't lost the case or anything that's why they're trying to paint this picture you know the right wing the media and outlets are trying to say no 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 no, no. It's, we haven't lost the case it's not like that anyway so perform but they're trying to paint that picture to people and then just and it's it's it was, what was just as upsetting as i think the day or two after we saw one or two videos where 
they were looking at one, one or two videos I saw online of people basically saying that that these that these people that the immigrants are responsible for what's happening in this country. And I'm just like, that's and that's just that's not the case at all. It really isn't. It really is not the case. Um, and I, I just hope yeah, that that God forbid we don't ever 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 have a plane sent of people to Rwanda or, or indeed any country that may that they may feel that their that their lives may be in danger. There's a there's actually quite a lot to unpick um, from what both of you said. Uh, Zoe, I'm going to play devil. It's really it is a difficult thing, isn't it? I mean, all three of us can see that there's there's difficulties in all of this. And what do you do? I think there's I think the numbers and and how they number people, which is quite interesting as well. We had that. Um, I, th I think that was brought up in a question time by an audience member being like, oh, Europe should take its fair share. And it's like, we're taking the least and we've got huge amounts of space and we've got a shrinking population and we've got a huge multicultural ethnic group that might be able to help settle some of these people into UK living and lifestyles and the ideas and ethos within the country. And yet it's, it's not looked at that. And I think, Zoe, I, I am going to come on to the cleverly point. I thought you did a brilliant job when you summarized it and said, it's half of Wembley. We can't deal with half of Wembley a year. Are you joking? Yeah. We can deal with that in an hour. <laughs> like we I deal with it every week when there's deal a, with it every when week. Match, like... So I'm gonna I've got to put on the devil's hat now, which is cleverly said, uh, you know, I did check this. The UNHCR, so the United Nations uh body for dealing with refugees, is working in Rwanda. What is what is the reasoning behind that? Like if the UN is saying we're working with you. And from what I could tell, the pumping of money to infrastructure, into building wells, into education. I've got a theory, by the way, I'll bring up in a minute. I think it's quite an interesting one. But they're building wells, they're building infrastructure, they're building schools. I think there's some electrical work being built, all financed through the UN. Why is that happening if it's if Rwanda's so bad? Well, okay, so the UN as a whole and UNHCR, which is the refugee body of the UN, are slightly well they're not different one is part of the other but the mm. un has is an intergovernmental organization so every country in the world including all the really 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 bad ones where we wouldn't want to send refugees are members of the un so the involvement of the un in, a, in any one individual country says nothing about how good it is of a country in any particular way um then the fact that unhcr the un refugee agency works within rwanda is really interesting because UNHCR was one of the key witnesses that provided evidence, which is the reason why the Supreme Court said that Rwanda is not a safe country. So they have operational experience. They are there on the ground in Rwanda working with Rwanda in order to um, help, help the Rwandans basically to protect refugees. Because exactly as you said about Europe doesn't take its fair share, the UK definitely doesn't take its fair share. The vast majority of refugees around the world are accommodated in countries um, that are really, really poor, basically, countries that are themselves quite unstable. The two biggest refugee hosting countries in the world at the moment are Turkey and Iran. And so most of the Afghan refugees are actually hosted in Iran. And actually, uh, insanely, a lot of Iranian refugees are hosted in Afghanistan, right? Because people, generally speaking, stay in the country closest mm. to the one they've just fled. People don't tend to flee very far in most cases, right? So a lot of refugees are hosted in Rwanda and the UN operates schemes where Rwanda, as compared to, say, Afghanistan, is um, 
more capable of hosting refugees. So it does help to share responsibility and it is part of those schemes to do that. And that involves building capacity in Rwanda and also sometimes bringing refugees to Rwanda. The very big difference between that and the UK palming off our responsibilities as one of the richest countries in the world onto one of the poorest countries in the world, Rwanda. And, and sending all of the people who are seeking asylum in the UK to Rwanda against their will is just completely different. And James Cleverly or anybody else who pretends to think that that is the same is having a laugh. Like, no, everybody can see the massive difference between the UK palming off our responsibilities and bribing a, a poor country like Rwanda to take in all of our refugees and the UN operating a system to share responsibility among the poor countries of the world who host the vast majority of refugees in the first place including Rwanda it was it was interesting to see his response to that as well because I didn't this is why I wanted to ask you specifically as an expert because I thought you might be able to dismantle James Cleverley's points better than the Sky News presented did who didn't (laughs) he just sort of he seemed a bit stumped when Cleverley brought that up I mean Cleverley even brought up at the time that he felt that people being racist to Rwanda and you were like you've got an immigration policy that's clearly racist at your backing, and now you're complaining about people being racist to Rwanda. What's like- racist? I'm sorry, but th- this drives me absolutely insane. First of all, what's racist is the fact that our immigration policies vastly, vastly harm people who are black and brown far, far more than they harm people who are white. That's racist in the first place. Another thing that's racist is that because we're rich and we have old colonial tendencies, we think we can just pay off countries around the world who are poor and who are developing and whose populations are black and brown to take care of the other black and brown people that we don't want here. That is racist. And it's not racist to point out that Rwanda is not a democracy, not a safe country, not a a government that can be trusted, a government that perpetrates human rights abuses on a massive scale. In fact, it would be racist to pretend otherwise just because they're black. That would be absurd. Sorry, it it drives me absolutely... No, don't. I I just lost it, but... That's that makes fine. me mad. Like the idea that the people opposing the mass forced deportations of black and brown people from the UK are the real racists. I mean, that 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 really gets my goat. Uh, just to add to that, I mean, as well, like we don't even have a legal route for people even to come to the UK as it is, is there? I mean, that's why there's so many people sitting on uh, on along Calais and that trying to get across. I mean, you know, the whole. We know we we know that the whole stopping the boat scheme can be ended overnight just by building, just by building um um what is it on uh, what is it on that the French government said they're willing to help uh, invest for us um asylum. So talking, you're talking about an, a processing center. That's there. it. Thank you. Do you yes. think it's important when we talk about processing center in France because mm. it sounds sounds like the the solution. I think what we need is a. a Uh, to process people who want to come to the UK, who are in France, to bring them across here. But then their asylum claims should be heard in the UK, not in France. And I think that that's really important. So the French did offer that they would set up a facility there. I don't know how much of that was sort of rhetoric, playing the politics, knowing it wouldn't really happen. But regardless, I think a facility where people's actual asylum claims are processed there is quite dangerous as well, because it's still overseas. Mm -hmm. Our legal representatives, our legal system, you know, very hazy how it would operate there. So totally agree that we should cooperate with the French in order to process people who want to come to the UK but then their their claims should be heard in the UK and as you say exactly as you say we could end the need for people to take the boats overnight if we just provided that safe route for them to cross from France to the UK you and I take the the Eurostar you and I take the ferry we can we can offer them the exact same thing 
Yeah, it's interesting to see that that level of hypocrisy because you also hear a number of them, including Mog, turn around and say something to the effect of, oh, we don't want people dying in the boats. And it's like, well, you can solve that. It's quite simple, but you don't want to because you think they'll start encouraging people. And what you're trying to do is palm it off on the rest of Europe to deal with a problem that's global. It's just a joke. It's not. It's not the. It's not the Britain I, I I grew up with. This is like. But then you know we can also turn around and say there's a lot of subtle stuff that hidden in the background that you don't see and it doesn't come to the forefront in terms of people's views on races, on cultures, on ethnicities, on nations. But it was interesting as well to see. I I don't know. I I think I brought it up with you guys before we came on air. Um, Farage got, in my opinion, got pretty nailed to the wall by Nella Rose. On, and I'm sure many people are boycotting the program. Go ahead, boycott it. I'm not watching it. I'm just finding clips on I'm a Celebrity. But the most interesting thing came on when GB News tried to counter what Nella had done to, to Farage, where she basically said, I'm an immigrant. And you're saying I shouldn't be here because I'm an immigrant. Uh, she's born in Belgium, uh, but a thick South London accent. Um, and, and raised here from a young age, from what I can tell, immediately from birth. So like she is British and london i mean you might as well say that boris johnson's american what conservatives going to turn around and say that <laughs> it's the same sort of principle of course as hypocrisy but it was interesting as well afterwards um gb news came to the rescue of farage almost immediately from that conflict happening on screen which looked like a disaster uh for farage in my opinion and they got jim davidson a stand-up comedian to come on air to try and defend and jim partway through basically said how great Farage was and how he's a great person because he can eat a penis on a piece of pizza <laughs> was his that was the first bit that was really weird but the second bit was because Nella was born in Belgium he said well you know this is typical Belgians and the presenter had to jump in and go no 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 I've just come from Belgium Belgium's really nice <laughs> and it's like we've got no problem with that and it's like they just lost Sainsbury's and they've now just allowed someone on to defend someone who oh that was the other flip around Jim Davidson tried to suggest that Nella was the real racist oh, of course <laughs> it's but like, it's exactly like cleverly it's exactly like you know if you oppose sending refugees to Rwanda you're the real racist is it it's just intellectually so dishonest I mean I didn't I haven't watched the clip um mm. but yeah, I mean, it's always this sort of, they, they in GB News, obviously, all they do is they try to tie it in knots and try to like do all this gotcha, you know, it's, none of it is about actually sitting down and being like, right, what do people feel about this issue? What are the real problems they have that drive these feelings? And what are the kinds of solutions that could that could bring about a change that could bring about the best outcome for most people? Like, none of, like yeah. none of this debate is predicated on any of that. It's about getting your guy out front. It's about getting the most clicks. It's about getting the most views. It's about getting the most funds from the most dodgy, you know, funders in order to run your political career and get power and that's all it's about it's like none of this is about helping people not british people not migrants certainly not refugees yeah, it's about painting a narrative painting a picture to make make people think that that this is the issue this is the this is the main issue you know what, whatever's going on in your life no this is this is this is what's really happening in the country and that, that's something that they, they they all they always do i mean I mean, there's sometimes, I mean, sometimes maybe talk TV aren't always like that, but maybe most times they are. I mean, I always, I always, avoid, I just outright avoid both, both them just because I just don't want to be fed, a different, fed such a terrible narrative because I just mm. don't see, I don't see 
their news or information helpful or something that's going to make a difference to me or all my life or any or anybody's lives for that matter i just feel like they're just trying to stir up hatred amongst people to give people a reason to to bicker and argue amongst each other rather than working together to solve issues in this country uh, that's that's just all i see gb news as really that's why we all try and get everyone to hail the lamp. It's a unifying product. It'll bring a community <laughs> together. Something to bring us all together at last. <laughs> but we also have an... Oh my gosh, now we have a rival leader. We'll be divided again. <laughs> Blasphemy. Blasphemy <laughs> to bring that on. <laughs> there is something else that I was going to bring up with Rwanda as well. Are you aware that I think Amnesty International and the UN and a couple of human rights organizations, plus several British newspapers are showing that Rwandan, the Rwandan government is financing a group of rebels in the Congo called M23. And that the foreign secretary for Rwanda is linked as a lead to M23. Are you aware of this? And, and so not only that, I then dug around because I was like, I wonder, I was like, so they seem to be wanting all this money to come in from the UN for infrastructure. And they're sponsoring a rebel group on their border. I thought, well, what, what does that rebel group want? What is, their, what is their actual aim? And there was something really interesting in what they were claiming through social media and a couple of other platforms and from interviews. That M23 group that's operating in the Congo, sponsored by the Rwandan government, wants a territorial expansion. It was part of the Congo to go over to the Rwanda. They also want the Rwandan government to take refugees, specifically the Tutsis, who were one of the groups that were badly affected during the genocide in Rwanda, into the Congo. And I'm sort of going, is uh, this my look? I'm happy to say this is me going off the deep end and I'm wrong. You know, someone proved it to me, I was wrong, I'm fine. But it seems to me. They're getting foreign investment in, building up their infrastructure, and they're sponsoring with that money a bunch of terrorists whose aim is to remove those refugees at a later point, so they're left with all the infrastructure. I'm going, look, I could be completely wrong, but I've never heard of a terrorist group demanding that a group of refugees be taken into another country. And we're clearly sponsored by that country, by Rwanda. I, I, am I going mad here? Is this like going down the rabbit hole too much? Or is this just like... I feel everyone's being heavily played and the Rwandan governor making money from the UN, from the UK and anyone else who's chucking cat. Israel, Israel financed some uh, some of the infrastructure projects in Rwanda to take refugees. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was going to bring that up because I don't know about your theory, but it could no. be true. I mean, what I would say is that what we know for sure is that Rwandan government is not a trustworthy partner. And we have that evidence from like they had this deal with Israel. It was very similar to what we are proposing to do. Israel said, we're going to send our, our refugees, the people who come seeking asylum in Israel, we're going to send them to Rwanda. You're going to take care of them. We're going to pay you. You're going to you're going to you're going to give them a place to live. Rwanda says, yeah, great. Send them over. Give us the money. And then it turns out what they were doing was they were forcibly um, beating those people up, taking away their papers and kicking them out of the country. So we know that the Rwandan government has precedent of doing exactly what you're saying, Alex, like taking the money signing the deal, pre presenting themselves as a humanitarian partner on a deal like this with a richer country, and then screwing over the people 
and and you know there, there being nothing to be done about it and like let's be clear we've already sent the Rwandan government 140 million pounds at least we don't know what else because we've we've also built you know these these big asylum compounds you know that awful picture of Sir Oliver doing ha, 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 yeah, ha. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's all stuff that our, our British money has paid for to build, right? We're, we're proposing to pay per person individually to to bring each every, and every single one of these refugees over to Rwanda, pay for their integration, their education. That's jobs. That's loads of money um, for the Rwandan economy. So whether they were to then eventually, I mean, I think it's quite evident that the refugees wouldn't be safe there, but whether like some of them would be able to stay or whether there is a dastardly plan to literally like deport them all en masse, who knows, whatever happens, as we know, the Rwandan government is absolutely laughing here. They've laundered their image. They've prevented the UK government from being able to criticize their human rights record. And they've made a ton of money off of us to boot. And what have we got out of this? What have our communities got out of this? And what have refugees got out of this? What solution has been found? on the basis of this this is all just the, the random government absolutely playing everybody else it's ridiculous i don't i mean your theory i mean it's uh like zari said it's entirely possible i mean it's just it just all stinks of corruption nothing 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 feels right at all when you when you with <laughs> the way that zari breaks it all down like that it's just like i don't know what really more to add than what she's already said i mean it's it's it is infuriating that our taxpayer money is just kind of just going down the drain i mean i mean and as crazy as it sounds as you said to like 180 million but we, we would not surprise us long long after god god willing that we have a the conservatives are gone at the next general election and and there's more investigations and more corruption and what what the conservatives have been doing behind the behind closed doors and that we find out um obviously the the money that's that's we've already know that's been wasted by by british government here in the uk but how much has obviously has been wasted abroad uh by them as well. Um, I, I, I dread, I dread like the total, total numbers because we're probably talking like tr- trillions and trillions of British taxpayers' money wasted uh, on a on a global scale. Never mind just what's happening in in Rwanda. So it's it's absolutely crazy. right to say that. I mean, we have we have already got lots of deals that we're part of. So they're presented as EU deals um, with other countries that are called migration management partnerships. Basically, it means you keep your people in a prison. You don't let them leave the country and make their way potentially over to Europe or over to the UK. And that involves funding dictatorships um, to the tune of millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds. And we are party to those deals and pay for that. And that that's outside. That's all around the world. It doesn't work. It obviously kills people. It obviously props up dangerous regimes that create the instability that people inevitably have to flee from. So it's obviously counterproductive. But also, I mean, here in the UK, if you look at the situation, government decided um, a couple of years ago they were going to stop processing people's asylum claims because they were going to send everybody to Rwanda in theory, right? They knew that there were massive obstacles to that ever happening. But in the meantime, they said, we're gonna pile people up in the asylum system and we're going to put them into hotels. Um, And that's been extremely convenient for a couple of private hotel owners and contractors who run those hotels. And Clear Springs is just one of these uh, private companies that have been running these contracts to run these hotels in terrible, despicable conditions for asylum seekers. They've just announced profits this year, profits of 65, million pounds um and that is money that has gone from the public purse directly to them in order to house asylum seekers in misery 
in in squalid conditions um and and that's gone that's gone out of the public purse right now it, it belongs to these millionaire owners of this private company right so this is actually a, a it's much more than just cruelty for the sake of the political theater of it for refugees which is of course very beneficial to the government as well it's also about enriching taking money out of the public purse and enriching private companies um through totally unnecessary policies like keeping refugees for years at a time in a hotel room. We don't need to do that. We could put that money into local authorities to provide decent housing. We could be making asylum decisions much faster to get people through the systems so they're not reliant on that housing for so long. There are tons of ways in which we can do this in a not-for-profit way that keeps the money from like our, our, our public purse in our communities in order to support newcomers. But instead, it's been used to extract that money out. And that's I'm not going to go on about all the numbers and all the companies, but like surveillance equipment, um, technology for border equipment, uh, training of border guards. All of this is an industry. All of this is jobs. All of this is profit. And um, it is so entrenched within our systems that the uh, cost of keeping people out falls upon obviously the people who are killed by those policies, but also upon, you know, the British taxpayer, the European taxpayer, and the profit of keeping people out and pushing people back is, is raked out of the system by these private company owners. You know that the uh, IEA was actually purporting to have a privatised police force in one of their recent documents. Anyone aware? It was like hidden in the text. I'm a nerd. I read way too many boring documents. I that one. And you're like, they want to privatise the police force. Do you re- like, I... I I'm so I looked at it and I thought, should we be aware of Wagner, the Wagner group, the privatized military that almost t- attempted a coup and could have got away with it with a bit more support? I mean, it's just like there's something there's something else to talk about with Putin, by the way, which yeah. is absolutely nuts and another little bit of a conspiracy theory. But we, we won't go in that direction yet because we've got a few other topics that we want to talk about. Um, yeah, the corruption is just normalized. I, I often said. Uh, Max has said it as well, who's not here, that the best bank loan, the best use of a bank loan he could make would be to go and donate it to the Tory party. Hmm. Put in five grand, you could get a million pound contract and, and do nothing, do absolutely nothing, still keep the money from the contract, even though it has failed. And it's we've got countless examples. Sorry, Regan. I was just saying, doing the well with regards to, or doing at least the barest of minimums of whatever that job is to make it look like that they're actually doing something when in fact they're doing absolutely nothing. And then legal corruption, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then use part of that money to hire the solicitors that'll scare you from wanting to sue them. Mm. I think money did that. The solicitors said, if you, if anyone comes out and suggests that she has committed fraud or connected to that, come, we will, we will consider that defamation. And you're like, that's a threat. You've mm. literally just threatened people by even thinking that she's committed fraud. And you're going, she took, I mean, that's what you could do. It's such a twisted system. Let's 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 move on a little bit. Because obviously they've moved they've moved on from immigration and they're now going for disabled people, saying 2.5 million people could work. It's not that it's quite nuanced as well. They're not like they're saying there's a group of people that are taking advantage of the system. I think the number is about 0.3% statistically, which is shown year on year. And you're always going to have some level of corruption taking place within any system. You, you, I don't, I mean, the irony of me saying that is we've literally just talked about the government being completely corrupt and we can see it and they're doing it in millions, but there's almost this thing. And it's, it's quite as Eddie Izzard comment and thinking it's almost like 
if you rip people off for millions, the conservative government sort of look at it and go, oh, millions? Bravo. Well done. That's you've actually that's quite impressive. Keep the money like you, you, you've done something right there. Um, Regan, do you have any thoughts on on this new attack on this new group i mean i just don't i just don't i just feel like i just don't understand why we why why we have to attack people who where is the again they'll to talk about the humanity of this thing i mean they, they these are people who there are all sorts of reasons all sorts of disabilities of why they cannot work there are all sorts of reasons behind it some of them um who are probably immobilized stuck on a bed and they can't move some who can barely just get walk up to the kitchen there's some of all sorts of different abilities both physically and mentally uh, there's some that can't even sit down and look at a computer for too long and mm. perhaps maybe it might have um uh, might have an attack or something yeah from from it um but it, it just feels like the the, the dwp I've, I've been not so i wouldn't go so far as to say it's it's the staff because the staff have have to have to be ruthless because of the targets that they're set upon them and if they don't do it they're just going to get pushed aside and someone else is just going to end up taking that job and it's it's really cold-hearted i think someone i think someone i think james o'brien had somebody who either was an ex or was not working at department mm. at, at dwp basically yeah. saying like like if he doesn't if he doesn't do it he's just gonna if he doesn't meet certain targets he's just gonna get pushed aside and and you just think to yourself like like i i've I feel just as much for them, the workers, as well, because at the same time they're trying to help them, but at the same time they have they're in an impossible situation. And I don't understand why we have to force people with disabilities into jobs that they they clearly are incapable of doing any kind of work. Like where again, no humanity, no human kindness whatsoever, just inhumane cruelty uh, on the the highest level. Really, I, I think it also has to take into account. The lack of support. I mean, one of the interesting things they did say is that they want to support people psychologically. Hmm. And I get the impression that I mean, I'm fully aware that the the system they've got at the moment for uh, NHS psychological support um, through a psychiatrist or a counsellor is six months. But if you've got a permanent um, issue that you feel is affecting you mentally, hmm then it might not be just six months. You could have it for your life. And yet there's no system in place to help with people like that. I mean, you look at the military. PTSD does not disappear overnight. It does not disappear in six months. And people who have suffered PTSD in childhood, that is more likely to be throughout your entire life. You're going to have to live with that and learn coping mechanisms more than you're going to be able to resolve a lot of this stuff. I, and I know you wanted to talk about this in, in relation to depression as well, Regan. Have you got any thoughts on, on what I've yeah. said? I mean, it's just it just ties into like this. Obviously, the announcement from 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 the chancellor and and trying to push people into work. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, as you said, there are a small proportion of people who who choose not to work. Um, and, and obviously, yeah, we want to try and encourage everyone to work. But there, there's also a way of doing it. And in it, I would almost go as far as what what the the government are trying to do is basically false labor isn't it it's almost i would almost go far as possibly even calling it slavery because trying to push them into interest into this situation and them i really i would be i would be i per i from a personal level i would say indentured labor hmm. uh as opposed to slavery i think it, it, 
sorry, I'm being pedantic here, but uh, I would, no, that's, I'd, say indent, that's... I'd, I'd say indentured labor more than I would slavery on that, which, yeah. which sort of has connotations of you're forcing them in. And if they don't do it, then they're going to get punished. Would that be more? Yeah. I mean, and they'll have their, their, their benefits taken away from them if they don't do it, if they don't meet a certain need. And also there's the other mm. caveat to this as well is that, um, is that businesses are going to take advantage of this. This is a great, this is an advantage that businesses are going to take of. This is like, oh, if we're going to get take these people in, we don't have to pay anything. The government's going to pay us to take these people in, and it's 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 free free labor for 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 the for for private companies uh, to get them to do to do these jobs, and then obviously yeah, the idea ideally you would want them to eventually get the job and be part of working for that company. Yeah, you hmm. would be ideal, but I believe it. it um, because I've spoken about it, I've spoken with uh, Lee Corn about it before, and, and we were saying like, what content, what tends to happen? I think they tried schemes like this in the past, and what tended, what was happening with private companies is that they were letting them go before the end of the before the end of the term, um, and then That's just bringing true. in, a, yeah, and just bringing in a bunch of new new free labour, um, so they didn't have to take them on, and, it, and they've been working all that time, don't get any pay from it. The only money they get is get for, getting from their universal credit from, from from their universal credit, and that was it. Um, and then obviously the, from the, the mental health side of things, you know, it's they're, as they're stuck in this cycle, not having a way out whatsoever from this. And it, it, it just can be such detrimental and it could lead down that path, depression, anxiety, all those emotions can come into play. And then it could, God forbid, lead to suicide because that, that's the unfortunately where they go down, especially if, they, if, these pe if there are people in these situations who don't have friends, don't have families or colleagues that are there to to support them from an emotional point of view who are in these situations. Um, it's It very much comes back to that thing of a bubble. I think that a lot of them are used to the fact that they either they've been lucked out, they've lucked out and they've earned their millions and they've got a cushion in case it goes wrong and can afford private healthcare. Hmm. Or they're in such a bubble that they've always got a family that they think will always look after them and protect them and they won't have an issue. Uh, Zoe, I can see you nodding away there at this. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what, what you said about it just being, it's, it feels inhuman. And I think this is where, again, like there, there are narratives that have a lot of strength, whether it's saying, oh, these people shouldn't be coming here talking about migrants or whether it's saying, oh, these people shouldn't be scrounging and talking about people who are on benefits. And they, they do have a lot of power politically, but I think that actually um, we, 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 we've ever since 2010, you know, we, we, we've had these cuts and these cuts and these cuts and this demonization. And um, I think the country as a whole understands that you can't keep cutting away people's life support, which is what benefits are, to nothing. And I think that it, it sort of reflects this incredibly hollow understanding of what a human being is and what their value is. Like some people bring huge value to the economy, right? They like can work with amazing skills or or whatever it is, whether they have like a huge entrepreneurial spirit and they, they start business and all of those things are great, but like every single one of us knows that in our life, the things that bring value, the people that bring us value, it's got nothing to do with their job, right? People bring us value because they're human beings, because we care about each other and we need each other and we depend on one another. And 
the idea of like placing people who are long-term sick or long-term disabled or have other reasons why they're struggling to find that kind of way of being valued in society of having a job and producing under the capitalist system to 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 diminish their value as human beings to say well you're not worth them paying these benefits to right that that is absolutely destructive in terms of like our own narrative about our own society what do we believe a human being is worth and like there are people who are expensive to the state, right? There are people who cannot produce in the way that capitalism um, requires it, and they shouldn't have to, and we should support them, even if it's very expensive, even if they need long-term and um, like intricate mental health care, physical health care. We are one of the richest countries in the world, and we're decent bloody people. And like this idea that we just can't be kind to people who 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 don't produce in the way that capitalism requires them to is absolutely it's, it's, it's so sickening but it's also just not true we absolutely can support those people and we should and all of us love people for things that are so much more important than the monetary value they bring to the economy it's funny because you're bringing up almost verbatim what Marx said in Das Kapital and was one of his big criticisms of capitalism. So this is like, this is over a hundred years old and we're still fighting over this, this issue that was noted in, you know, a prolific book. There's no arguing about that, where he's literally saying people don't want to be thrown away and considered worthless. Like people generally don't. They want to feel as if they've contributed and they've built something, they've created something. So also one of his critiques with mass manufacturing that you're only seeing one part instead of building a hole as it were mm. um and it's interesting to see that you know this is this is that same tory go i mean there's so many victorian comparisons we said it in last week's show they brought back diseases that haven't existed since the fucking victorian age diphtheria rickets how do you bring back rickets measles eradicated in 2016 and under the tories brought back i mean it's like take control of viruses i think all shorts said that take control of diseases british diseases i mean you're looking at it and you're going you failed you failed on so many metrics and what i end up not understanding you know because they, they have got i mean in between them attacking something i just realized in between attacking immigration they attacked homelessness said they were going to take their tents away and they've now moved on to disabled and the only thing, again, we were saying off air, I don't think they'll attack the pensioners because they need their votes. The, the biggest irony is they tried to restrict democracy with voting IDs and it affected disproportionately the people that voted for them. And Mogg even came out and said it backfired on us. So he knew exactly what he was doing. And you're just looking at this and you're just going, did they read Oliver Twist and miss the point? I can't, I can't figure out how... Some of them can claim that they're religious and they're Christian and then have this heartless, mean, disgusting viewpoint on people who are less fortunate. I think there's this thing that's brought up earlier. You were talking about money and numbers. Maybe that's just how they look at the, the world. They look at it in numbers. <laughs> Rishi Sunak's spreadsheet, if it's not the spreadsheet, it can't be real. There's, there's all sorts of elements to this that makes you go. Are they just... And, you know, we were talking about gaslighting. That's a narcissistic tendency. That's mm. a psychopathic tendency. And the way they're treating the poor and the sick, you're like, again, like we've mentioned it all the way through this. The Rwanda scheme, that was a Nazi policy. 
taking homeless people or disabled people and forcing them to work. Nazis had a similar policy to that. And then you're looking at the way that they're, they're treating people that they see who seem to be more unfortunate in life more than anything else. They seem to be following some sort of crazy social Darwinism. They've got, it's almost like, oh, they've ended up in that position. That's their own fault. There was even a quote from a Tory MP that said, she was on Sky News. I can't remember her name, unfortunately. But she said it's their duty to work. That the Treasury Minister, I think it was. Was it the Treasury Minister? Could, oh, it? I think could it be. Was. Yeah. Go on, Regan. Um, but I was just wanted to add that as well. When you were saying about the homelessness, obviously that was there was a that story from uh, um, from from Camden Council where it was outside. There was outside. A, there were tents set up outside a, a NHS hospital or a clinic mm. of some sort. And um, I even I even covered it on the video as well, where I basically showed the clip of basically the the rubbish. Uh, basically the throwing the tents into the bins. Oh my God. Oh my God, this is disgusting. And and originally, originally when the story came out and when I covered it, it basically said nobody had taken, had basically said who was actually responsible for actually pushing them and moving them along. And in fact, it was actually the council that admitted that they were the ones that were doing it. And, it, and, I, and I think they were given the green light by Suella Breverman when she was saying that homelessness is a lifestyle choice. That gave, in my opinion, gave Hamden Council to give them the green light to do that. I know that there was um there was obviously um people were saying that they there was issues that the the hospital or the clinic itself they were saying they were having they weren't comfortable with with them being there at the same time at the same time as well. But I just think it's just like and some people were saying in the comments in the comments when I when I talked about it, they were saying, oh but if they had Palestinian tents, would that have been a different story? And I'm just thinking whether they have what, what difference does it make they're still human beings at the end of the day it doesn't matter it doesn't matter like they're just going to end up going somewhere else you know and i just yeah i mean just it, the one on the homelessness like the tents and then for 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 the tents to be removed after after the former home secretary was saying that i just like just what gives you i mean it's just sickening to my stomach the council to admit that they've done that um like at least at least give them like somewhere accommodation or something but don't just just throw them out on their on their ass like that it's just just despicable you know to say the least yeah i think it's really interesting what you say about like i mean there's this 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 thing that's going on like we're talking about different scapegoats of society right basically mm. that the like horrific party would like realize that they they need to win some kind of vote off the back of hatred of some group but i think it's very interesting how they're sort of like now they're they're, they're mixing them together and they're trying to chop and change so like when sarala braverman made her uh, statement about you know the lifestyle choice of being homeless she tried to emphasize oh yeah a lot of them are foreign you know and like when um when they talked about cutting benefits for disabled people they're like yeah because otherwise we'll have to bring in foreigners you know and it's like this constant chopping and changing of like yeah you hate this group but don't don't forget that there's, there's always the other threat of the other group behind this and it's it's because not not one of these groups actually stands up to scrutiny and exactly as you say you, if you take away their tent they don't disappear if you take away people's safe route to get to the uk they don't disappear right people actually need solutions and that's what this government's totally incapable of providing so they have to keep baiting and switching and move, moving around the debate they're having a totally dishonest debate that like it says oh oh hang on you were getting somewhere with your argument there wait, wait look over there though where that person might actually be black like really really now you've got to worry no but hang on a second that is that 
that person really disabled? Wait a moment. When you talk about, you know, homelessness, are these people really making the choice to be on the streets? You know, like this constant switching of it around, because if you actually pin them down, they've got no solutions. They've got nothing to offer us. The, 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 it's interesting you brought up putting them in homes. I mean, this is this is one of my big things. Build more houses. That's it. My you God, build that. more houses. You can build build more, houses. more homes. Build more homes. Uh, we had a discussion about this last week and there was a went to and fro because people was on the on the chat were saying um who were who were also on the show were saying that um we don't have the materials we don't have the 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 ability to do it and i'm like there are technological advances that we've got now that can do this that can speed it up or shrink costs anything to get the property numbers up we need according to crisis four hundred thousand. Labour have only offered one hundred and fifty thousand. I year. read this really interesting just like... article. Sorry, just just no, to no. jump in because it's it was really really interesting about how the quality of new builds has also taken a nosedive. Like, firstly, we're sure. we're not building enough, but secondly, like there, there's no controls. Basically, there's no oversight over the quality and the um, the uh, competition in um, construction firms has completely gone out the window since Brexit. So the ability of somebody to bring over like some skilled workers from Poland who have the skills to build a, a house properly has completely disappeared. And now what we have is these temporary, really short-term restrictive visas to bring in temporary migrant workers and pe- people in the construction industry often relying on the cheapest labor they can possibly find, which is often people who don't have um, the right to be working in the UK and so have no ability to complain about any uh, conditions that they're subject to and whether they're being paid enough. But they also don't necessarily have the skills and the training and the up-to-date technologies of how to build things adequately. And it's all just cut in corners. So it's not just, I mean, I mean most importantly, couldn't agree more my god do we need desperately for them to build new homes but they also need to have quality and we need to be bringing in the skills and creating an industry where the skills and the oversight is there to produce good quality sustainable housing for us as well the um we do i totally agree and it's interesting to also bring up what you both said about scapegoats that's what Mm. every dictator has done to have control of the population i could list Putin. I've, I would love to bring up the Putin story. I'm like, there's something really weird going on over there at the moment, um, which has shocked me. I think I'll tell you guys off air, um, which which I've noticed. Um, but yeah, with the, with the housing, that's the solution. If you can increase housing, you can reduce rent. Reduce rent, people got more money in their pocket. I don't think it should be allowed that 50% of your wage is going into paying for the rent. Yeah. Rent control. Just... And any like responsible press, and I really think the media has a lot to answer for here because we have so many media outlets that have like counters every single day will tell you how many refugees arrived on the on the southern coast of Britain. But there is no <laughs> No media outlet that I'm aware of that is counting up the deficit between the number of homes that we need in this country and the number of homes that are getting built. There is nobody who is putting this at the forefront of the conversation, but it's impacting all of us to a massive degree. Whereas I'll tell you, like 40,000 refugees not impacting all of us to a massive degree. The lack of housing, like 400,000 or whatever it is per year lacking in housing, that is impacting every single one of us in massive and important ways. And yet the media doesn't seem interested in this. And I find it really shocking. They all own their house and they're done outright. Or what is it? There was a there was an interesting clip a couple of weeks back where a newspaper interviewed locals saying what their thoughts are on immigration. Mm. And it was really interesting. They kept saying 
oh, we can't get a house and it's the immigrants' fault. They get a house instantly. It's like the media have created an equation where two plus two equals 10. Yeah, you can't get a carer either, can you, for your grandma? That that migrant that you needed to do the care for your grandma, they may also need a house. So call me crazy. Let's build the houses we need for our population rather than trying to shrink our population to fit an outdated housing stock. It's insane. Like Nella brought that up with Farage. He was saying, oh, we want to get rid of, you know, he didn't say he wanted to get rid of immigrants, but he was saying he wanted to reduce immigration. And Nella had to point out, one, she was a migrant, and two, if you pulled out all the migrants from the NHS, social care, who's going to be left? Who's going to be left? We have got a shrinking one. population. It's 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 one point five six. It's per per family. So you're going right per uh, parental couple. So you're going. That's not replacing itself. Japan had the same numbers. Uh, Shinzo Abe went in. I say this probably every other week now. Um, he did a load of stuff to increase GDP. He did it individually, but it didn't solve the economic economic problem. The only resolution is to get more people to have kids. Or immigration. And if you want people having more kids, fine. But it's going to take, it's not like instance, it takes years. I don't think that's a reversible trend. I I don't, I mean, obviously there are things you could do. You can make it incredibly expensive to have a child and so on. But I don't think there's any evidence that you can actually reverse that trend. But that's fine because you know what? (laughs) If we weren't so fucking racist, then... Sorry, then then immigration would be a perfectly fine solution to that, right? Like people need like a safe place with opportunities to live. And we need workers that we need each other. That is going to be the theme where like human beings need each other. Right. And I mean, like if you look at Italy, it's even more extreme. Italy has a replacement, like a, a, a deficit yeah. in the replacement rate that's even higher than ours. Italy is in a situation where there are villages in Italy and islands of Italy where they will literally pay you to go and live there because they need the population so desperately and if you're a couple who are planning to have kids and you'll live there for 10 years they will give you a house and they will pay you a salary to live in that place but bloody hell you best not be african right like they're at the same time they elect a fascist who who wants to to turn back all the boats and put a military blockade in the mediterranean like make it make sense it's interesting as well because they got a new. Well, he's not prime minister. He got twenty five percent of the vote, but the guy in charge is like a Tommy Robinson supporter. Hello, England. How are you today, Mrs. May? Your prime minister prevented me to come to London today. She probably didn't like my speech last time. Shame on you, Mrs. May. But here I am anyway. And I'm honored to speak to you again. You are all heroes. And let me ask you, can Tommy count on you? Like, as, uh, There's actual clips of him saying how much he loves Tommy Robinson. Argentina, you've got a guy who's absolutely do-lally. He's going to be in charge of that economy. He's going to crash it. I can tell you that now. This is Javier Malay, Argentina's new far-right president, a former tantric sex coach who reportedly seeks political counsel from his cloned dogs, with whom he has claimed to communicate telepathically. He is pro-gun, anti-abortion, and wants to legalize the trade of human organs. He also thinks climate change is a socialist lie and has called sex education a Marxist plot to destroy the family. So you're going, this, this movement to the right seems to be going there. 
I might advocate that the EU is stopping it from getting completely out of hand because PSI, uh, compared to what it was like in the 1930s, so mm. PSI in Poland is now out the picture and gone. Maloney is calming down on what she's saying in terms of rhetoric. Orban is isolated and looks like, because he was relying on Poland to stay in and he, as a partner, now he's isolated. Mm. It, it actually looks like there's a big change taking place. Uh, Regan, do you want do you want a thought on well, that? Also, Marine, Marine Le Pen is still, you know, the gap it was closing on the last French election, wasn't it? So she's not going away either. That's mm-hmm. that's that's also the cause concern, especially for France there. Um, and uh, there was also that that story a couple of weeks ago, wasn't there? Uh, a couple of weeks ago in Portugal about the about the prime minister. Um, was it the prime minister or the president? Um, oh, I can't quite my finger on it. There was a corruption of some sorts taking place there. And then obviously you have. You have what happened in Spain not too long ago with the the Catalonians possibly getting back into power, and the Spanish uh, Spanish people are up in arms about that. And then, as you said about the uh, um, what you were saying about the EU and and how and how they're not corrupted is because it's so big and it's so vast. It's it, you need to have like they need to have the vast majority of control from the vast majority of EU nations in order to break up the so-called to break up the European Union. But but still it is still at its core still uh for for the for the good. Mm. And um, we, we, I think I don't just think yeah, that that the European nations need the world needs the EU more than ever before to stand united against against these far right uh, fascists that are going to bring so much chaos and so much harm to people because people are are buying into all these rhetorics, these right wing stories, these these fear mongerings from all these different world leaders and. These stories are working, and when people's lives are getting worse, or if they're seeing their family and relatives' lives not as good as they should be, or if they want it to be better, they will look to blame someone. They will look to blame, finger blame, anything and anything. And when they see, they see someone standing up there on the podium saying, "I'm going to make things better to you, Trump." Whatever you might think of that guy, he was saying, "I'm going to make America great again." It was a catchphrase. It made sense. It appealed to people, and as crazy as that guy is he's still appealing to people now yeah. and it's not and it's in everybody and all those far right um leaders and that from different parts of the world they're taking that that same concepts and applying it into their nations and over time people are turning and twisting thinking yeah i'm gonna vote for this guy because you know what my life's not my life should be better and i don't think yeah th- this guy's this guy or this person is going to make a difference to me and it works and it's 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 works and it's dangerous. And social media is enhancing that uh, more than ever before as well. On that note, Max, come back. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye. week for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad.